From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. And being able to engage with that veteran and talk about their experiences in the military, talk about uh, their experiences in engaging VA and trying to get their care. Um, You understand you understand uh, those veterans who may be dealing with PTSD because a lot of those veterans were your friends and your battle buddies. That's Marcus Meadows, Ambulatory Care Operations Director for the Department of Veterans Affairs, talking about how his military experience helped serve the needs of other veterans in his administrative role with the VA. We're going to hear more from Marcus in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by MGMA Events. During our premier spring event, 2023 Medical Practice Excellence Financial and Operations Conference, attendees will gain key insights from both disciplines and learn about topics that shape the future success of medical practice organizations. Whether you plan to dive into finance or operations subject matter, we have you covered on both topics. So join us on March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. Go to mgma.com slash mpe23 to learn more and to register today. Our guest today is Marcus Meadows, Ambulatory Care Operations Director for the Department of Veterans Affairs, where he oversees all of ambulatory care for primary care, medicine, surgery, and mental health in Northern California. Northern California is the sixth largest VA in the country with over 255,000 enrolled veterans and 14 sites of care that cover more than 44,000 square miles in the region. Well, Marcus, thanks so much for joining us on the MGMA Member Spotlight podcast. Thank you for having me today, Daniel. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And I just wanted our audience to get to know you a little bit better. You are um, an MGMA member. Talk about that. How long have you been associated with MGMA? How did that even get started? MGMA um, membership kind of came about um, in 2017, uh, which was approximately 2016-2015. The group practice manager position became a new position within VHA uh, under the CHOICE Act. Uh, we call it uh, the VACA legislate, uh, legislation. And so I became the GPM for the Gulf Coast Veterans Healthcare System in Biloxi, Mississippi in June of 2016. Most of the people that became practice managers across the country came from a varied background. Uh, my background, uh, I'm prior Air Force uh, and medical imaging Um certified in nuclear medicine, nuclear cardiology, uh, PET-CT, or molecular imaging, as it's called uh, these days. Uh, So I came from the radiology side of the house, 
uh, to practice management. Uh, most of the practice managers were members of MGMA, uh, of not MGMA, uh, American College of Healthcare Executives, or I was also a member of the uh, American uh, Healthcare Radiology Administrators Group, the American Society of Radiologic Technologists, and the Society of Nuclear Medicine and Society of Nuclear Cardiology. So as um, our leadership at central office was looking at what are we going to do for the practice manager? Which way should we go? I think leadership kind of looked at ACHE or MGMA and the overwhelming consensus at that particular time was that MGA, MGMA was probably the best way for us to go with the practice managers. And so uh, the uh, Assistant Undersecretary for Health Operations purchased an organizational membership um, for VA, and um, they invited all of the practice managers to join. I had a small staff of about six or seven uh, practice managers across medicine, primary care, uh, surgery, mental health, and so they joined with me, and we've been... Um, partners ever since. I attended my first MGMA conference in Boston in 2018, and we got to meet the uh, great uh, team that you have in government relations who've done a fantastic job of taking care um, of me and uh, my staff and uh, my colleagues across the country uh, since 2018, actually. Wow, that's great. Um was that so that was your first time to attend an MGMA event back in 2018 in Boston? That is correct. It, that was mine too. I had just started at MGMA a few months before that and I was kind of wowed just by the interaction, the networking, the just the variety of people across healthcare that were there. It was really cool to um get indoctrinated, so to speak, there. When you were there, uh, in, I know that's going back, we've, we've passed a pandemic and everything else. This seems like a lifetime ago, but was there anything that stood out to you? Did you meet any, make any friends or any oh, kind of networking yes. there? We met so many interesting people. Um, at that particular time in VHA, we were uh, actively engaged in getting telemedicine off the ground. And right. so I had just partnered um, with uh, Puget Sound VA to do teledermatology for us. And so everybody in the country kind of knew that VA was uh, going into telemedicine. And so coming and meeting uh, all of the different practice managers that were participating in the telemedicine symposium with Medicare, talking about reimbursement and all of the issues, uh, it was so impressive. And then of course, the speaker made note that there were several uh, participants in the audience from VA. And so uh, being able to have lunch with people from around the country that were in the same position we were trying to get this option up and running uh, in their organizations. And <clears throat> I thought, you know, wow, I've got a lot of work to do just hearing all the things Medicare is talking about. But as we started to share over lunch with some very large practice managers from around the country, uh, we actually learned that we were doing pretty well. Uh, we already had uh, teledermatology, teleprimary care, 
and we're starting to have conversations about mental health. And so uh, being able to participate in a conference at a national level like that, as we're discussing the trends in uh, telemedication, uh, telemedicine, how you go about setting it up, the reimbursement issues, you know, which wasn't necessarily an issue for us in VA because we're partnering with other VA facilities in the country uh, to offer it in a location where maybe it's difficult recruiting people to the, your local area for that particular medical specialty, but it was just phenomenal. And the reception that um, the team, I think there were about 25 of us from across VHA that were there and the welcome that uh, we received, the welcome we received from the government relations team, um, we had just, DOD and VA had entered into a joint agreement for um, the medical records, electronic medical record project that we're currently in. And we got to meet with the folks from Cerner to talk about that. They had been awarded the contract and to hear what were some of the things that we could expect and be able to engage them directly. It was very exciting. Okay. Thanks for sharing that because this is part of our uh, member spotlight podcast series where we're really getting to know different MGMA members across the board, whatever role they're in, uh, no matter the size or scope of the practice, we just want to know what's kind of your journey, your story and what you're involved in. So I wanted to back up just a little bit then. So give us an idea then what's your title, where you're located and what's your day-to-day focus? What are the things you're most involved in these days? Cause I know there's, it can be a bit overwhelming. So just kind of want to know what your pain points are. Well, let's say the day that I left radiology and became a group practice manager, uh, I decided that day that I would never be bored another day in my life. And that has held true since June 1st of 2016. I am never bored. I never have to look for anything to do. Um, My title here, I am the uh, ambulatory care operations director, GPM, is the official VA title or ACOD, group practice manager. Uh, I oversee uh, all of ambulatory care for uh, primary care, uh, medicine, surgery, and mental health. Uh, Northern California is the sixth largest VA in the country. We have over 255,000 enrolled veterans, uh, and we have 14 sites of care that cover more than 44,000 square miles in Northern Mm -hmm. California. Um, So my biggest day-to-day responsibility is I like to refer to myself as Mr. Access. Uh, It's my job to make sure uh, that we have access in-house and we can see veterans. And when we can't see veterans within our wait time standards of 20 days for primary care and mental health and 28 days for specialty care, that we get them out uh, through what I like to refer to as a hierarchy of care. Um, we, we are partnered with Travis Air Force Base here in Northern California. Uh, So we see veterans over at Travis Air Force Base. 
Uh, we have clinical resource hubs across the state of California and Nevada, uh, where veterans can be seen virtually. And then if we can't get them in through our DOD affiliations and partnerships or with one of the clinical resource hubs, then of course the Mission Act allows those veterans to be seen in their local communities by a provider of their choice. And so my job is to make sure that wherever the veteran is seen, they're seen timely, urgently when necessary, and that they can be seen when they want and where they want to receive that care. Mm -hmm. You talked about mental health and that being a big part of where you're focused right now. I mean, we've all seen the studies that just across the population in the U.S., mental health issues and episodes are way up since the pandemic. Um, we've also seen that way up in the healthcare industry as well. Talk about it in particular in the VA world with that patient population. What I know that there are some uh, issues that you have to monitor there as well, but what, what has that looked like over these last two, two and a half years or so since the pandemic hit? Well, um, Mental health has always been very important uh, in the VA. Uh, it's one of our large foundational services. We talk about two foundational services in VA, primary care and mental health. And then um, veterans from primary care get fed into specialty care. And then we have primary care uh, mental health initiatives where veterans see their primary care provider and if there are any concerns or if those veterans need to be seen um, today, uh, we do a warm handoff to the mental health providers that are actually embedded in our primary care PAC teams. And then that is a segue for them to get into the various mental health programs that we have. Uh, mental health is large uh, in the VA. Uh, it's one of those uh, areas um, as a veteran, <laughs> I'm an advocate for all of my veterans, but mental health is kind of the area that uh, I really love working with their teams, with the psychologists, the networks of social workers, RNs, nurse practitioners, uh, the mental health technicians, and then, of course, a large array of schedulers uh, that make sure that we're able to schedule all of the appointments, whether we're seeing those veterans face-to-face uh, in-house our group appointments that are a, a number of which are virtual now uh, since the, the pandemic started. But we have a large group of dedicated individuals every day. We have uh, suicide prevention coordinators that are there that are throughout the facility that are on call uh, day and night, you know, basically uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They support the emergency rooms after hours. And it's a fantastic group of people that do a lot of good things. And then, of course, we also have, uh, when we don't have services available within the VA, uh, we have a group of partners in the local community, uh, UC Davis, Sutterer Medical Center. I mean, Northern California is big, so we've got... <laughs> yeah. um, uh, lots of private providers' offices that we do business with, that they take great care of our veterans, uh, making sure that 
where there are no emergency rooms and veterans need mental health care. There's the national crisis line and then the local emergency rooms that we partner with that notify VA that they have them. And then the warm handoff process. Mm -hmm. um, it's mental health has kept um, all of us up and running throughout uh, the pandemic, not only the patients, uh, but they also uh, have special engagement uh, functions for the employees here to make sure that throughout that uh, we were all taking good care of us. In fact, um, a lot of the educational series is that uh, they put on during that particular time to remind us that mental health was also important for us as caregivers. Uh, we have the caregiver support program, which is uh, run by our social workers, but also tied in to make sure that um, those uh, family members uh, who provide care for our veterans are also able to get the support and services that they need. So uh, it's one big uh, healthy family. In fact, our motto here is our healthy home for Northern California. It's our home and we focus on health, the uh, mental health as well as the holistic health of uh, our veterans as well as our employees. I love that. So you mentioned this term, a warm handoff, several times. I wanted to go back to that. Walk us through that's a new term for me. So what's what, what does that process so, look like? So a warm handoff um, <clears throat> It has a couple of different meanings, but what we do is, uh, let's say that uh, Mr. Smith sees his primary health, uh, pr primary care provider today in primary care. And so while he's there, uh, the primary care doctor has some concern. It could be with mental health. It could be he's concerned about uh, some blood work, a spike in it. And Mr. Smith lives three or four hours away. He's not really close. We've got him here today. We really like to see him urgently. We think that his case is such that we don't want to wait for him to get seen. So we'll reach out uh, to one of the specialty care providers or any provider, social worker, mental health worker, or other uh, provider and say, hey, I've got this patient here. I'm really concerned uh, that he has something going on. I don't feel comfortable with them leaving today. I'd like to get this checked out while they're there. So the provider does a warm handoff to specialty care or whatever the area may be, and then they agree that they're going to see that patient. And so somebody then takes that veteran and walks that veteran over and does a handoff from one clinical service to another clinical service to make sure that the veteran gets where they need to be so that, that we can get that care taken care of today. Sometimes those warm handoffs are telephone, sometimes they're virtual, most times they're face-to-face. -face. Okay. But what that means for us here in VA is there's another clinical concern that we have. We think it needs to be seen urgently now as opposed to waiting later. And so we reach out to another clinical provider, discuss the co clinical concerns, and then we take that veteran over to the receiving service so that they can be seen before they leave the building today. Okay. Thank you for explaining that to me. It was just an interesting phrase, and I had not heard it before, so I wanted to know more about that. So 
With you being a veteran, how has that helped you as a practice manager in VA? How have you leaned back on your past experiences as a veteran to be a better healthcare leader there? Well, first of all, having been in the military for 12 years, four months and 17 days in the Air Force. <laughs> You're not going to break it down to hours as well. I can break it down to hours too, uh, thanks to that wonderful DD Form 214, which lists the years, the months and the number of days that you served. Um, we're aware of um, a lot of the issues that uh veterans bring from their particular branch of service with them when they walk out. And so uh, there are programs there now uh, that we have that um, allow us to get the veteran enrolled in the VA for healthcare before they walk out of the door. Uh, that's one of the reasons that we're switching over to an electronic medical record system, Cerner, that uh, DOD has and VA has. So that way when veterans leave the military service, we can push their records over. Having been in the military and knowing about, you know, all of the injuries that people may have suffered and then coming to the VA, um, it helped me to relate to the veteran when they come in and, you know, many of the veterans are trying to apply for service-connected disability because of disabilities that they incurred while they were on active duty. And they, so they're trying to uh, get go through the, the whole process of uh, finding out what their disability rating is based on uh, a, a whole combination of different things. But being able to relate to those veterans, many of whom uh, I was in um, the not only the military, but we may have been in the same theater or campaign. You were in Afghanistan. You were in Iraq. Um, you uh, during the uh, Desert Storm, Desert Shield. You were somewhere in Saudi Arabia, or you were in Ramstein. But you were a part of the process. You know, we all knew the stories of what was going on and, and what happened to a lot of our military members uh, there. And so being able to see a consult uh, for care that a veteran comes through and being able to engage with that veteran and talk about their experiences in the military, talk about uh, their experiences in re engaging VA and trying to get their care. Um, you understand, you understand uh, those veterans who may be dealing with PTSD because a lot of those veterans were your friends and your battle buddies. And so understanding what they've been through and what they now have to live with every day makes you a little more um, empathetic to the issues that they deal with. Um, it means that you go out of your way uh, sometimes to make sure that we're accommodating them if they're running into uh, problems. Sometimes we have to walk them through the process. Uh, we'll have a veteran on the phone. They've been having difficulties. Um, we don't give them a call. I want you to hold on or here's my number. I'm going to reach out. If you haven't heard back from me in an hour here, I want you to give me a call back. It's okay to bug me because I'm going to be working some things. And so if you don't hear back from me within 24 hours, reach back out and I'll give you a status update. 
Uh, it's about making sure that they get what they need, when they need it, and where they need it in the community or in a local VA facility. So being a veteran and being able, having the privilege to take care of veterans every day is kind of just like still being in the military without the uniform. Okay. Well, Marcus Meadows, uh, thank you for stepping into the MGMA member spotlight. You have survived it. And uh, I, I loved hearing your story and your insights into the VA and uh, those veterans out there and the care that they're receiving. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Marcus Meadows, Ambulatory Care Operations Director for the Department of Veterans Affairs, where he oversees all of ambulatory care for primary care, medicine, surgery, and mental health in Northern California. Marcus is featured as part of our MGMA Member Spotlight podcast series. If you want to be featured in the spotlight, send us an email at podcast at mgma.com. We also want to thank MGMA Events for sponsoring this week's show. During our premier spring event, the 2023 MPE Financial and Operations Conference, attendees will gain key insights from both disciplines and learn about topics that shape the future success of medical practice organizations. So join us March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. Go to mgma.com slash mpe23 to learn more and to register today. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.